0: Does anybody have an idea of what sovereign, if, somebody, if I say I'm sovereign, what does sovereign mean, if God is sovereign, any idea? Rain, in the word sovereign is the word reign, right? We know what reign, we sang about that in one of the songs, it said he reigns, right? He reigns, right? So sovereign, the sole reigner, God reigns over everything. He is the sole reigner over everything, okay? And in Proverbs chapter 2, it talks about if we recognize that first, if we're seeking, right, and we, we understand that God is sovereign, right, and that we revere him, that when, when we develop that reverence, that fear, healthy fear of God, that's when we'll start him acquiring wisdom and knowledge, and that's where he'll start working in us, and we align with him in what he's doing. So I encourage you to think of God as more than just a name and a song, more than just a word in the Bible, uh, more than just a character and a story. He is an almighty sovereign creator, God. Okay? I hope that that just penetrates today. If that's my main theme today, okay, is that. Okay, um, has anybody ever like went to a Mexican restaurant and you're eating some meat you know, in your taco or whatever, and it tastes like chicken, but it's like, hmm, it uh, doesn't quite taste right. It's, it tastes like chicken. Then, you, then somebody is uh, across from you, and you ask the waiter, and the waiter comes over and says, no, that's not chicken, that's possum. Oh, no. Your whole perspective on what you just ate changed, right? <laughs> it tasted good when you were eating it when you thought it was chicken, but now when you think it's possum, it's like, oh, that, that kind of takes away from the flavor of what I just ate. It's not what you wanted to hear, okay? In Romans chapter 9, which is where we're going to talk about Romans chapter 9 today, Paul kind of does that to the Jews. The audience in Romans chapter 9 for Paul is the Jewish people, okay? Um, Paul is going to upset these people. He's going to take a chance on bringing them some news that they're not really comfortable with, you know. They have been a part, uh, been been uh, uh, made a people by God through Abraham and the covenants of Abraham up through Jacob, Joseph, the twelve tribes that eventually populated Canaan. Um, God established Himself through that nation first. He gave them the covenants. He gave them the promises. Okay. Um, so the Jewish people at this point in time kind of thought, "Hey, we're it. We're in. All if you're a Jew, you're in. The Gentiles, okay? So there's either Jews or Gentiles in God's economy. Right? God is not a respecter of persons. He sees if you're a human, he, he either sees you as one of his selected people, the Jews, or he sees you as not a Jew, which we call Gentiles, right? So the Jewish people are privileged with that that kind of that blessing from God, okay? The Jewish people think that the Gentiles are not eligible to receive that gift, those promises of eternal life with God, of of, uh, of being protected, of of all of those uh, promises and the terms of the covenant that He established. Okay, but Paul's going to shake them up here in chapter nine. He's going to say, Nope, guys, you got it wrong. You think you've been eating chicken all this time, and I'm going to tell you here, you're going to eat what you've been eating is really possum. Okay. So, it's going to change their perspective. So, you'll see how he kind of delicately kind of gets into that because he knows he has a potential to upsetting him just a little bit. So, if you look at chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, if you can open up there. Okay, so this is Paul speaking to the Jewish audience, and he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God all over, forever praised. Amen. And if I may take a moment, can we say a prayer right now that, uh, that what I just read will be the beginning of an opportunity for us to hear what's being read and understand. God, our Father, we definitely thank you for this wonderful world, this wonderful day, for giving us the ears to hear, the conscience to to realize uh, that you are, that you are sovereign, that you are majestic, and that what you express through your word is truth. I ask that what I express through my words is your truth also, and that we will understand where we stand in your kingdom in context of the Jewish nation and how important that is, and the opportunities that you've given us through Christ, the, the, the resurrection, the sacrifice that Christ made the opportunity to be rejoined with you and enter into those promises just like the Jewish nation. May we not take advantage of that or manipulate that for our own purposes, but to to step into that opportunity to glorify you. And we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So Paul's kind of softening him up. He's like, guys, I'm one of you. I'm a Jewish person. I'm one of your kinsmen. I'm telling you the truth in the name of Christ. The Holy Spirit. What I'm about to tell you is truth. You're not. It's not what you understand. Like I said, you think you've been eating chicken all this time, but I'm getting ready to tell you you've been eating some possum. Okay, so (laughs) get ready. He says theirs being the Jews in verse four. theirs is the adoption as sons, the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, patriarchs being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through through which God established the nation of Israel. And from them, the patriarchs, is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. So it's through that lineage, through that covenant, that Christ came out of them promises to be sacrificed and give us Gentiles the opportunity to... To be a part of that that we didn't have before Christ came. <clears throat> okay, so here we go. Paul's getting, he's he's going to break the news in, cha- in verse six. Reading from nine chapter nine verse six. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who were descended from Israel are Israel. Stop. What is he saying there? Not all who were descended from Israel are Israel. That's, that's important because, if, if, just a little touch of history, God made a covenant with Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would have a son. Abraham and Sarah kind of took it upon their own to kind of make that happen because they were impatient, they didn't buy it. Sarah was 90-some years old. They, were, they lacked confidence. They didn't trust God. So, they arranged for Hagar to get together with Abraham and have a son, Ishmael, right? Well, after Ishmael, Sarah did finally become pregnant, according to the promise. They had Isaac. God, by his sovereign will, by his sovereign choice, said, I favor Isaac. I am going to fulfill the promises in that covenant through Isaac, not through Ishmael. Even though Ishmael is part of the nation of Israel, Okay, he's he's a seed of Abraham, and God said, I will make him a great nation. But the promises, Christ, did not come through that path of Ishmael. Christ came through the path of of Isaac, okay? So what Paul's saying is, guys, even though you're a Jew, even though you're a nation of Israel, you're not necessarily a part of the promise. You're not included. Of course, they didn't want to hear that. Reading on in verse 7 nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. You will see in Galatians and some other places in the New Testament where we Gentiles are identified as the seeds of Abraham. Not because we were born through him Through natural means, okay, but because in Christ, when we embrace Christ's name, associate with that with with ours, we are allowed to enter into that arrangement, that covenant, those promises with the Jewish people through our association with Christ. We get all that package with us, okay. That's why it's so important that when we participate in a church institution like this, and we invest ourselves in this thing, that we, th- that we realize we're part of something much bigger than just supporting a program or taking care of a child or buying a pamphlet or presenting some music. It's all great stuff, but that is not the end. That's not the end of, uh, of what we seek. We do those things to worship and glorify God, to draw everyone to God through Christ, so that we can all become a part of that promise and and have that eternal salvation. Okay, so reading on in verse 10. Not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. So Isaac, Rebekah was Isaac's wife. Isaac and Rebekah had children. Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob and Esau. They were twins. They were in Rebekah's womb together. In that time, it was tradition for the oldest, the first baby, to come out to receive the blessing, to receive the privileges of the father, uh, inheritance and those types of things. OK So Rebecca has Isaac, or has uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau came out first, and actually, in the Old Testament, it says he was kind of hairy. And things, right? So that's why they named him Esau. <laughs> I was probably hairy when I was born, too. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I don't remember. But, um, but then, then Jacob came out after Esau. Jacob was not the oldest. But read on, chapter uh, verse eleven. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works but by Him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger. just It was written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Wait a minute, gosh darn. God made an intentional choice here. Even though according to tradition, the tradition of the Jewish culture, Esau deserved the, the privilege, the inheritance, the first place, the blessing. God said, nope, nope, I'm sovereign. I'm the sole reigner. I'm going to orchestrate this a different way. I'm the creator, guys. I don't care what your expectations are. Esau came out first. That's okay. But I chose Jacob. Why? I mean, when we, I always ask that question. Why would God make such a... Why did God choose Abraham? Why did he love Jacob instead of Esau? Because he's God. He makes that choice. I, I, I can't explain that. I don't think any of us can. He is sovereign. And we're going to see that more later on. So that begs the question, wait a minute, God did something that didn't align with my expectations or according to the traditions or according to the culture of the Jewish nation. So who is he? How can he do that? That's not fair. Is God unjust by doing such a thing? That's the question that Paul is begging. Paul is raising that question. He's anticipating that his audience is asking that question. I know I am. So in verse 14, he says, what, shall I, what then shall we say? Is God an unjust by making such a choice? No, God is not unjust. Why? Verse 15, for he says to Moses, now this is a reference to what a transaction that God and Moses made at a later time in Genesis. And he says, I will have mercy on whom... I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy alone. It doesn't matter what I do, what I think. It doesn't matter how much you come to church, how often you're here, your attendance, how much money you give. It doesn't matter. It is solely on God's sovereignty, on His intuition, on His will, that He allows or or influences things to happen. And you say, well, that, man, that's not fair. We need to know the rules up front. Well, we can trust God's character, right? He is a just, he is a holy God, he is fair. But we have to think about those characteristics in his terms and not ours. We look up to him from our perspective and we say, well, I'm born here and I deserve a cell phone and I deserve food and I deserve a shelter, and I deserve clothing, and this certain style of clothing, and I deserve to be healthy, and all this kind of stuff. He's looking down, and he says, you're human, you're a Gentile, only if you accept, if you enter into the covenant and arrangement with Abraham that I made through Christ, will I even recognize you as one of my sons, and give you the privilege to that protection, or those accolades, or any type of, uh, of acknowledgement. Okay? It's a matter of perspective. We have to view this church, ourselves, this community, even this nation in context of what God sees it as and not what we see it as. So, God will have mercy and compassion on who he chooses regardless of our expectations or what we do. God will be God whether we like it or not. Even if we don't like it, we're powerless. We have to, man, we've got it, we have to accept that. Okay? We cannot manipulate the Creator God. We just can't. No matter how mad we get, no matter how much we think it's unfair, he's God, we're not. So if it's God's choice and will, how can he blame us? So if he's up there pulling the strings and He's choosing es- uh, Jacob over Esau, and, and, and Ishmael is going off this way, but he chose Isaac. And who's to say that it, he didn't choose Rick or Brian or, or somebody, you know? Why is that fair? Because he might be usurping our will and what we want to do. Well, if we read, starting in verse 19. One of you will say to me then, why does God still blame us for who resists his will? Who are you, O oh man? Okay, well, let me stop there. One of you will say to me, then, why does God still blame us? For who resists his will? That's, that's the question we're asking. How can I be held a, a responsible if God is manipulating things? Then in verse uh, 20 says, But who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? It's, it's, he's the potter. He's going to shape the clay however he wants to. He's going to spin that wheel as fast as he wants to at any time that he wants to. And we have to accept it. He's God. Okay. God will be God whether we like it or not. Sorry, that's the way he is. Okay, so what is, what is he really doing then? Starting in verse 22. What if, consider this, Paul says, guys who think he's unjust, what if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath prepared for destruction? In other words, what if God was actually, looking from his perspective now, getting away from ours, looking at his, what if, that uh, scared me, sorry, I jumped. What if God is actually being very patient? And he's being... He, he has actually given us the privilege to even exist. We shouldn't even be here. We're sinful people. He has the right, back when Adam and Eve sinned, to totally alleviate people from this earth and judge them at the very beginning. He also, if you remember in Genesis chapter 5 or 6, at that time after the creation, mankind became so corrupt, so destructive that he was sorry he even made man. And that was the cause for the flood. He wiped every person out of the earth with the flood and started over again with Noah and his family, right? He actually made a covenant with Noah, too. And he said, I will never flood or, or wipe this earth clean of people again. And that's the symbol of that covenant is the rainbow that we see today. But, so God is actually, The opportunity to exist. He's being very patient. We are objects of his wrath. We are prepared for destruction. We are in that position right now. Verse 23. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? That's what he's up to. He's up to helping or encouraging us or influencing us to realize his glory not my own it's not about me getting benefits for investing it's not about me getting accolades for investing twenty five thousand I'm on the bronze level or the silver level into some institution God is using the circumstances and this structure to glorify himself and then 24 says even us whom he also called not only from the Jews but also from the Gentiles. There it is. Not only the Jewish nation through which Israel was, was founded through Abraham, but also to us non-Jews. So, And what's most important, how do us non-Jews, how do we get into, how do we become eligible for those promises? So, so what God is doing is he's withholding his wrath from us right now. He's withholding his judgment. He has all rights to pass judgment and condemn us all right now. He's patiently allowing us to exist when he really doesn't need to. He's making his power and his glory known to us through all this, through time, over time, as as we all mature. And he's giving Gentiles the opportunity for his salvation and not just the Jews. That happened when Christ died on the cross. That eligibility became uh, available in the grace administration. We'll talk about administrations later. But administrations are periods or stages where God works with mankind a certain way. At Adam and Eve, God worked with Adam and Eve a certain way. They had a certain arrangement. Uh, Adam and Eve was able to uh, cohabitate with God face to face. They were of a particular form that they didn't die if God was, was uh, revealed to them. Adam and Eve sinned. Things changed. New stage now the ground is cursed. Women will be forced to bear children with, uh, and, and, and all those kinds of things. So now God associates with mankind a different way. Now the covenant of Abraham comes. Now God is talking to Abraham. Change, new stage. Now God is talking to Abraham and cr- starting to create this platform through which ultimately in the grace administration down here we can look at through Christ and be a part of Abraham's promise. So we're in that grace stage right now. There's a couple more stages to come yet. Okay, so Gentiles are in, Jews are out. Why? Let's, go, let's jump ahead to verse 30. 930. What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. Man, that is so important. And that type of an ideal just creeps into our lives without us knowing it. Okay? So many times we we ascribe our religious, um, our religious eligibility our religious standing, our standing before God. So many times we ascribe ourselves to that by what we do. Okay, We make ourselves feel good. We pat each other on the back for doing things as a means of acquiring faith, as a means of fostering faith. And that's just not right. Faith comes first. Faith is, uh, let's see, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We are saved by grace Through faith, not by works. Okay, Faith is a gift from God. It is the precursor for the works, which is what James talks about. James makes the point that the works is simply a manifestation or a way to reveal a faith that's already established. And so many times we get that mixed up. That's so important to get that. Because that's what makes us eligible. That's what will make a Jew eligible. And on later in Romans 10 and 11, Paul is making the point that, look, Jewish guys, did God fail you because you're out at this? No, no. God's got a plan in the future administrations the way he works with man, to allow, give opportunity for the Jews the same way he does the Gentiles, through faith in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. Not in the church, not in the pastor, not in the music, okay? In the person of Jesus Christ. So we talk about faith. um, And forgive me for being verbose here a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about that because we talk about faith all the time, right? So I took the liberty upon myself. I made this up. I actually created, it was like a single sentence that was like a page long because I just... I had to somehow come to terms myself with, what is this faith we keep talking about? What is it that we've got to acquire that's so important? So I express it like this. Faith is not a representation of simply a religious idea or lifestyle. Just because I wear a cross or go to a Winter Jam concert does not necessarily mean that I have faith. It may mean I have an interest in spiritual matters. It may mean I like concerts and I'm stimulated by the music. It may mean that I like the idea of Christ-centeredness, Christ, uh, these truths, okay? But it's not simply a representation it 's a deep, unchangeable disposition of mind and heart based on a confident, provable, reliable fact observation, or evidence there 's a lot of people that try to say that faith is just well, it 's just something you believe don 't understand it there 's really no fact to it it 's just something you have to do no I, I say wrong I say there's a lot of evidence in this word and the way that God manifests himself in this creation through us that provides plenty of confident, provable, reliable fact, observation, and evidence to say we believe in something because there's, it's real. Okay? We believe in Jesus Christ because not only is he a historical figure, but he is who he said he was by his miracles. You can look at the manuscripts, the archaeology, the prophecies. You can look at uh, the statistics, the bibliography of the, of the manuscripts, the, the external evidences, the eyewitnesses. You, there's all kinds of evidence there. Three, it's a conviction. Okay, so it's not just a representation of an idea, but it's something that happens in the heart, deep inside. And it's a conviction about the reality and certainty of that truth woven so tightly within the fabric of one's conscious being, the inner man, that one is unable to act or presuppose against it even if logic, common sense, experience, or emotion compels otherwise. It is something you just can't. It, it's in you so tight that when, you, when, when you're challenged against it, you, you can't. You can't make a choice. For example, when Abraham was posed with the command to kill Isaac back in Jacob or back in Genesis God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac Abraham was going to do it because he really believed it he, Abraham was struggling inside he's like this doesn't make sense this is not characteristic of the God that I know it, 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 he's going to kill the only offspring that I've already had at 99 years old which is almost a miracle anyway it's like but you know what he's sovereign he's God and I'm going to trust it I I I have a faith. I have a conviction about the reality of God and His truth that's woven so tightly in the fabric of my being that even if logic, even the logic, the common sense doesn't it doesn't make sense, I, I can't presuppose against it. I'm going to do it. And and God stepped up, being the being the um, the genuine, just person that He is, said, "Time out. I was just testing you. Okay. God's not going to make I Abraham kill a son. It was a test." The other big characteristic about faith is that this truth, this thing we have faith in, becomes such a rigid fixture within one's being that it supersedes any impulsive natural inclinations to act or think against it. I am so convinced in the reality and the person of Jesus Christ that if if someone at my job were to come to me and and, and, um, threaten me about the reality of Jesus Christ, I, I would... I would stand against it very aggressively, okay? I don't care. I would probably lose my job. If, I, if my boss came to me and said, Rick, you've got to get rid of these, these silly religious notions or you're fired. I, I'm serious. I would say, you know, Express Scripts apparently does not, is not a company who has the values and, and operates in reality like I thought it was. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to take my talents and my skills, and my God will find me a place to serve him somewhere else better. I have that level of confidence. So I want you to consider these things about faith. We talk about faith being such an, such an instrumental, such a critical component of who we are in being eligible to, to be a part of Abraham's seed, to be a part of the promises, the covenants, along with the Jewish nation, into eternity with God forever. But that's got to be the case, not works. This, right here, will result in works. You can't come here and be a part of a program and play music or whatever and think that this is going to happen. This is a transaction between you and God alone. You have to foster it. You have to want it. You have to open your heart and accept his reality in yourself so that that this transaction can take place deep in your heart. I can't do it for you. FBC can't do it for you. You have to do it. Now, FBC could be a benefit because if this really happens in someone, they're going to want to serve God. They're going to want to, going to, want to get into God's work with Him and what we're doing here. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not seeing that all across the board. Now, there's a lot of ministry that takes place beyond what I'm able to see at a town hall meeting or Sunday of worship. And there's a lot of great hearts, a lot of great skills and gifts, Man, some great things going on. But we in the leadership team are not content... That, we're, that everyone that's here is, is, is getting to this place. Thus, that's why we're going to be starting a foundations class coming up to try to encourage people to consider more critically these types of ideas about faith in who God really is, who Christ really is and knowing without a doubt that you are part of that promise with the Jewish nation. Okay, so What? Uh, what's, uh, we've talked about this history, these, these questions that Paul begs about um, who God really is and God will show mercy on who He wants, compassion on who He wants. God is God. He is sovereign. We've got to have that faith in order, to, in order for that transaction with God to, to take place and be aligned with Him, one with Him in Christ. If you, if you take faith flippantly and you don't think about it carefully, you could wind up missing a true eternal salvation. That's what's happening to these Jews right here. In verse 30, "What what then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but Israel who pursued a law of righteousness has not attained it. The Jewish people who who tried to follow the laws and the priesthood and all the sacrifices per God's prescription, they were doing right. But what they failed to see was the person of Jesus Christ and what that meant in stepping into the new administration. They refused to to accept it. They refused to acknowledge Christ for who he was. They refused to hold God sovereign with the, the, the right to change the terms. To establish a new covenant, guys, the old one was good, but it was just a stepping stone in equipping you for eternal life with me forever. So you could miss eternal salvation. You think you've got faith, but you really don't. You could be like one of these Jewish people who are very, so confident in, in, in their religious lifestyle, you totally miss the person of Jesus Christ and what faith really is. You could depend on self and works instead of God and faith. Many consequences about depending on self, pride. Because we are ill-equipped to, to, to deal with the evil, the forces at play in this world, the evil one, the sinful nature, the world system, on our own. We do not have the capacity to deal with that at, for our full advantage. We will get beat up. It will, it will consume us, it will victimize us, and damage our quality of life if we depend on self. We will alienate ourselves from others or the church. You will miss the blessing of extending yourself into God's work for bringing glory to himself through his people. That is such a blessing. And I'm, and I, I'm so thankful that, that God has given me that opportunity as I get older in life too. You will display a form of godliness, but not deny its power. Paul talks about the characteristics of the end times in 2 Timothy chapter 3. A couple of those characteristics always stick out to me, and that is there's going to be a lot of people who's going to display a form of godliness, going to do religious things, going to look like religious people, going to look pious, good, righteous, going to do all kinds of things like that, but they deny its power. We lack the power to really live effectively, to conquer, as Romans 8.35 uh, tells us, Paul tells us there. He says, we'll always be learning, but failing to acknowledge the truth. The truth is there, but we don't bring it in to where it becomes such a, a conviction that, we, that we're sold on it. We're always learning, but failing to acknowledge that truth. We'll be perceived by others as fake hypocrites, caring only for one's own advantage. It'll become, life will become about us. And when that happens, um, you, you, uh, you are at a big disadvantage. So. Okay. So, what's really important is, like I said at the beginning, God will be God whether we like it or not. God is sovereign. And in order to be eligible for His mercy... And, and to enter into the promises of Abraham, we have to have a true, sincere faith in the person of Jesus Christ first. Okay, that is so important. Um, what was it I was supposed to remind us of? Oh, that's right. Okay. So before I close here in just a minute... Uh, if, if you guys have any questions about what I just talked about, if that didn't make sense, or you think it's hogwash, or you don't buy what I just said, please see me. I, I'd love to have a discussion about it. We can look farther into, into the scriptures. There's a lot of support in Genesis and Hosea that was offered in this chapter that I didn't get into, um, other places in the New Testament, which will kind of help understand that idea of faith even more, because that's so important know that we, particularly the leadership here at this church, are very interested in seeing the reality of God penetrate and manifest in people, not just in this life, but eternity. And we we care very much that 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 happens accurately, for real, you know, real faith, real people. That's a real thing. Um, So feel free to ask us. Um, Also, after we dismiss... Lance is going to be in the back hall here. If someone would like to meet with him for prayer, prayer over what we heard today, um, a prayer over a a life issue of some kind, if you need any assistance at all, you can mention it to Lance. We on the team would be happy to pray for for you. We have a prayer team. I'm a part of that as well. And we, we are very careful to be confidential with those types of things and handle your petitions very, very carefully. So... Okay, so with prayer, I'd like to, to dismiss this. I think, do we have another song coming up? Okay. So I'll let the band come up. And uh, God, our Father, your, uh, your word is so penetrating, and it brings to light such marvelous truths about the foundation of humanity that you've created, that we're a part of, that you've allowed us to exist, to even participate in life that you've created because we don't deserve it we are sinful people you're a holy God we are lucky that you have shown mercy on us are patient in revealing your glory to us uh, restraining your wrath restraining your judgment giving us this opportunity to participate with you to be one with you in spirit and in truth through the person of Jesus Christ and we thank you so much for that opportunity And may we respect and revere you enough as the sovereign God to accept that opportunity, to make you happy, and to give us huge perks and benefits into the future with eternal life of of a peace, a comfort, protection, and sustenance forever. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.